Hi, and welcome to another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Rishi, and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the lands and airwaves where this conversation takes place. Land which was never ceded. Land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to the elders past, present and rising. Today I'm talking to Brad Cunningham at Waygood. I was excited to speak to Brad for a number of reasons. He's an expat chef from Aotearoa, New Zealand, and he's worked in numerous places around the world, including my hometown of Ototahi Christchurch, as well as Paris and London. I particularly love that in his LinkedIn profile, Brad says he's lived and worked in some of the world's greatest cities, and he lists those as London, Paris, Sydney, Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, (laughs) and Melbourne. Anyone who, who includes Christchurch on such an erudite list is an excellent person as far as I'm concerned. I was also captivated by the idea that Brad worked as head chef at Ottolenghi in London, and I'm such a fan of Yotam Ottolenghi, and of course, I wanted to hear all about that. That does make it sound as though I was on my own wish fulfillment path heading into this conversation, and I have to say, Brad absolutely indulged my need to hear about how great Christchurch is, and also some lovely inside information about Yotam. But I came away feeling lucky to have spoken to Brad. He's quietly spoken and articulately describes his food, the ups and downs of life as a chef, and the fact that he's come full circle in aiming for and achieving an executive chef role, but realising that he's happiest being on the pans in a small neighbourhood restaurant and giving diners a good time. I appreciated his sincerity and humility. This is a chef who's worked in top kitchens, but doesn't court fame and a lot of attention. For Brad, all comes back to his passion for food and putting beautiful ingredients on the plate, and I loved that. How's it going? Good, thank you. I, um, How's your day been? Yeah, it's been pretty Yeah. Quite, quite winter. We had a really busy night last night. Okay. Which was, um, which was Tuesday great. night. Yeah. yeah. Um, we two weeks time we trialled this um, thirty nine dollar vegetarian feast. The so neighbourhood. The neighbourhood nights. Nice. That's right. Yeah. Um, so we had um, the owner Marty and his uh, wife with well not Marty but his wife with um, a bunch of their friends and they trialled it. You know they. Um, and they had no feedback, which was good. They were all a bunch of um, South African ladies, I'm sure would have given me <laughs> some feedback if there was any. So yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm pleased that it went well. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. Oh, good. Yeah, I wanted to talk a bit about that. Um, I've got a lot to talk to you about because, first of all, obviously, there's a Kiwi connection. Uh, all right. I'm a Kiwi, but, um. <laughs> yeah, I, I, could, I just heard that when you said Kiwi. Yes. Yeah, and, um, and I see you started off training in uh, Palmerston North was it? Um, I went to, I went to uh, culinary school in Wanganui. Oh Wanganui. Yeah not far. Yeah. 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 And then uh, I, was, I was 19 and I was the head chef of this restaurant. That was crazy. Wow. Um, it was deemed to be the best restaurant in Wanganui at the time. A uh, situation of events caused me to be the, the fill-in head chef. What kind of food were they doing? It was kind of um, uh, it was, 
was it 1999? So it's going back quite a quite a yeah. quite a while. But I think we I remember we did these um, eggs eggs Benedict like really good eggs Benedict on English muffin, bacon or, or spinach or whatever. And then really nice hollandaise. And then we used to do the old balsamic um, swirl and some capsicum relish. And it was everyone used to just go crazy for that. And then we did a chicken Caesar, but we built it into a PVC piping, oh. and then pressed it, and then topped it with kumara chips. Um, it was very. Um, it sounds pretty innovative. It's very <laughs> um, avant-garde for the time, I think, and for the the regional little city. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we made curry oils and all sorts of weird and wacky things back then, which was like. Wow, so good. how did you know how to do that? Was that what the people were doing? So when you went I worked. There? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. I, I I did change the menu after the head chef left. He moved down the road to his own cafe, and I used to go there with my um, my script, and I'd be um, you know taking um, you know taking notes of his feedback on the menu that I had put forward, and uh, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I was. I was Still watching Jamie Oliver videos and yeah, trying yeah. to very much self-taught, I suppose, from those uh, early stages. And whereabouts in New Zealand? I'm from, from Christchurch. Yeah, right. Um, I was just thinking it's really interesting because I went to France for a year in 1993, 94. Yeah. And everyone was saying, I mean, not everyone was saying, but I was watching what they were doing. I lived in the south of France, and I was like, oh, this is nothing like what we've got there. <laughs> and I didn't think we'd be able to get, you know, like I don't know, truffles and all the stuff that they. But now it's all really abundant and it's all there. But yeah, so. I guess things might have changed a little bit by 1999 in Monganui, but I'm, I'm impressed with what you... I know. But I you, think you we cooked were. somewhere in Christchurch as well. That's right. Yeah, I, I came and um, worked at uh, Pescatori <gasps> wow. uh, at, the, at the George Hotel. It always had a good name. Absolutely. Seafood, restaurant, um, a lot of international uh, Japanese tourists, I think. Um, yeah, it was really cool. Um, uh, I was kind of up... up what was I? I was a CDP, but I was essentially running Pescatori because the executive chef, Nathan Bates, he was there for 10 years and he'd worked himself up to executive chef, but he had no idea what good food was. And I'd just come from the, the French cafe and I was like, you know, bringing all this, you know, really um, kind of, I don't know, uh, refined maybe, and sort of fine dine French style to it. Um, and then, uh, and then there was a, a vacancy for the sous chef, and I put my hand up for it, and he was like, nah. And I was like, oh, okay. All right, see you later. Then. Yeah, that's that's probably the weird, <laughs> the weird world of, yeah. When was that? Um, when was the George Hotel? That was 2006, I think. Ah, yeah. yeah. So it was a crazy time back then, but I, I felt so, like, um, you know, I'd worked, I worked in Wellington briefly at the Calvin Bistro, and when I first left Wanganui, and then... Christchurch and then went back to Wanganui for a short time before I went travelling. Yeah. And what made you get into it in the first place? Cooking? Yeah. Oh, it's a really boring story, but um, my mum and dad owned a rest home and mum was doing her food safety certificate through the local polytechnic and she was super time time poor and you know, I just saw this thing sitting this book, booklet sitting at the uh, breakfast table, you know, every every day is having breakfast, going off to school, or um, when I was mowing lawns back then, I think, um, yep. my first job, and then I was like, 
what is this? And I started reading it and it just clicked, it just kind of made sense. It was like, oh, this is easy. Do you want me to just fill this in for you and, and take, like, you know, paraphrase, you know? So, yeah, sure. Um, and then I was kind of interested, and then she's like, oh, there's a, you know, this is the school, you should go to the open night. And so I did, and then I was just like, oh, yeah, I could get this in crack. I had no idea what, what I wanted to do. My last year of high school, I was like, I'm off to Canada as an exchange student. Didn't want to do, um, you know, last year of high school. I just wanted to, yeah, go overseas and play sport. And then realised that, oh, I've, I've injured myself. Okay, what, what's my backup plan? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. But then you did get to go overseas anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. So... So that's how I got into cooking. I mean, it's kind of... Yeah. Everything kind of just lined up, I suppose. I've never heard that story before, so therefore it's interesting. Uh, no one's ever <laughs> pulled that one out before. <laughs> Food safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, we know we're in good hands, though. That's so it, that's, yeah. yeah. Compliance is very important. Yeah, so that's right. The, From the start. Behind the back of the, back of the, back of the house. Yeah. yeah. So you've tended to be in fine dining, um, and, and I have heard you say on um, another podcast that, um, that, that you were really interested in cafes or those kinds or, um, or catering initially um, and you're more drawn to fine dining. What is, it's, there's a lot of precision in that and a lot of pressure I would say but what is yeah. it about fine dining that you really love? I think it's the skill based stuff that I love the most and the, technic, the technical side of being able to make something, fix something, um, understand products and where they're best adapted to on menu. Um, I suppose I've kind of fell out of fine dining because of the pretentiousness, the um, the crazy chefs that you come across, the hours, the money was average. You know, all these things. It's like, why? What do I do? I need to reinvent myself. And you know, I always see um, cooking as like a, a circle. Um, and you know, I, I had a good chunk of that high and what other parts of that hospitality industry are there to explore so that's how I kind of thought oh I'll go do catering and I'll, I'll do cafes and I'll, I'll, I need to know volume and I need to know you know business acumen I really un- want to understand the financials of how to you know people, people always talk about food costs and wage costs and labour costs and all these things like I really wanted to explore those fields to kind of be very well rounded mm. um, because there's so many chefs out there that are super creative, but they just don't have the organisation behind themselves to kind of really make a difference. Or um, yeah, and I, I suppose you know I've always prided myself on trying to be creative, but also have some you know um, organisation behind that. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So now that you've tried all those different areas. I mean, where does this where does <laughs> way good fit in? Yeah, um, I suppose I align this with um, Islington, um, the time at Otolingi, like small, small cedar really, you know, um, small kitchen, same, you know, cool room space and everything. So I've kind of gone full circle, you know, wanting to um, reinvent myself again, just to kind of go back and do something with my knowledge and experience and try and yeah just um, uh, 
it's a, it's a hard one to kind of really pinpoint. I, I suppose I was just feeling a really, really big sense of, um, um, of, 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 of no job satisfaction with, you know, working my, working my way up and sitting on board meetings and telling other people what to do and supporting people, other chefs and, and kitchen teams for a long time. I just kind of felt a bit numb. I really was just like, yeah, I'm 40. I wanted to be out of the kitchens at 40 and now I'm going to want to go back into the kitchens to kind of, you know, I still feel like I've got more to offer and you know, I, don't, I don't want to just nine to five, come home, cook dinner, put the kids to bed, watch TV. Like, just felt like it wasn't attributing to anything. So I just kind of, much to my wife's um, dismay, just gone back to five nights a week. Yeah. With two little kids, so. Wow. And you, and you achieved your goal of becoming yeah. executive chef by the time you're 40. Which yeah. is interesting though that that wasn't what you thought it would and be I for think, you. I um, think, you know, Joe, I think probably the whole COVID era kind of mucked mm. things up a little bit. Um, because I had to kind of dig deep and reinvent these, not reinvent the, the restaurants, but really try and um, uh, identify what those kitchen briefs were, what those restrictions were in terms of what menus uh, best suited those venues, had to re- recruit you know, five head chefs over that period. Wow. Um, and then kind of, I kind of got them set, set up again in and out of those lockdowns and then kind of um, kind of made myself redundant. I hadn't made the, the position redundant because someone still needed to come in and, and be that support person. But I kind of felt like it was a good time to kind of move on. You know, they were totally accepting of it um, and, um, you know, wish, wish me well. Just to go back to Ottolenghi, because I've um, I really think I really like you know love him, <laughs> um, and I, I hope I'm not you know told otherwise. He sounds so nice. So I've listened to two podcasts this week um, where he's spoken to Ruthie Rogers at River Cafe, River Cafe yeah. and then also on the off the menu um, with the two British guys where he you know oh, I don't know that one. It's about oh, I haven't heard it's that a bit one. like a desert island where you've got a you've got to choose between certain foods and like right. that just is a yeah. springboard for them then to discuss things <laughs> he's so um, he's so articulate and yes. well, he's got a really nice voice as well but um, <clears throat> he sounds um, as though he would be nice to work for but <laughs> is he? <laughs> Absolutely like um, he had someone I think her name was uh, Colleen I think she was the she was the not the bulldog, but she was kind of a bad cop. Oh, I see. He was super lovely. Mm. Um, but if it, if it was an issue or ever anything that came up with any of the staff, she would step in and she was kind of that GM role. Um, you know, so, you know, when he did swan into the kitchen, you know, if someone was not working or, or doing something that they shouldn't, you know, he, he wouldn't say anything to them. You know, he would, you know, talk to the head chef and they would have to come and say something, you know, he was, I never heard him say anything, um, you know, no, no kind of strict words or no, you know, he was always very, very nice about it, and I suppose, um, it's a reflection of his food and, and the kind of people that he attracts and he's, yeah. uh, that are attracted to him, I think it's a, 
it's a very, as I said on that podcast, like it is very collaborative. And it sounds like it, that you learnt a lot there, even though um, you'd already mm. come a long way as a chef. Yeah, I was bringing a lot of ideas to that space, and you know, a lot of ideas were kind of getting uh, kind of not backed or kind of um, simplified. And at the time, it was hard to accept that. You know, I hate to start. You know. Diff- every chef's got an ego whether they like to admit it or not there's different be- different levels of those egos and I suppose you know turning up in London and coming off the Gordon Ramsay train and, and you know working out to me I kind of I suppose I did have a bit of a like oh but can't we just put that on the plate like that's you know I was trying to do my own cooking you know I was cooking for my own ego I suppose and um, that's one valuable lesson that you know many many years later that I you know, still go back to and I even use the same advice when talking to chefs that have done a similar thing to me and yeah. <laughs> just like just keep it simple like I don't know how to describe or explain to you anymore but you know one day you look back and you'll <laughs> yeah you appreciate that someone had this conversation conversation with you I find that fascinating though because is he not the one that has so many ingredients in his recipes? Well, yeah, <laughs> that's a, it's more about, yeah, there's lots of background ingredients. I wouldn't say he's, there's so many ingredients. It's, okay. It's like a treasure trove of, and I'm sure it's, the test kitchen's just like crazy now with, you know, the amount of different chefs he's had. You know, he, he'll employ someone now that's kind of got a an Indian, um, you know, skill set or, you know, knowledge base and he he really taps into those different um, cuisines you know so um, I've just lost my train of thought but, all the uh, ingredients yeah that's the right the treasure trove of ingredients that's right and you know he's constantly being um, inspired by new, new new things to play with um, yeah there's there's a, there's a lot of um, ingredients in them yeah it's, it's crazy yeah but then you know those are the background flavours that kind of really just drive that product forward and it could just be a marinade or a rub or a dressing or you know definitely not shy with the herbs and the kind of freshness there but always questioning like does it need to be there does it add to it Mm. or does it take over so is the concept still I mean do we describe the food that is happening there as Middle Eastern is it something different? Yeah. Well, no. It, well, it, what you were doing there, and then I guess here, yes. Well, no, I was doing Japanese. Oh. Um, I had a little, I remember I had a little dish that was like rehydrated seaweed, and I made like a salad with mustard cress, and I had a um, candied ginger dressing, I think, and then I had a like a nori crusted with togarashi um, lamb fillet. Um, and slow roasted um, cherry tomatoes, and I made this little stack salad thingy with lamb on top. So I was no, I was, I was definitely pushing different boundaries. So what's his brief? Like, what would he say yeah. to you? Like, how do you know how to, that it's okay to do that? For um, I think the first, the first conversation was like, okay, well, write me a menu, and see what you, what it sounds like on paper. So I did that, and he had to choose a few, and then it was like, okay, cook these ones for me. Um, but then if I said I was coming up with a, a new dish, then it was pretty much just um, uh, cook it for him yeah. uh, at the start of the week. 
and if it needed more work or if it was okay, it was good to go. Um, often something would go ahead, but then he would eat it um, as a customer um, without me knowing. Oh. And, um, <laughs> and then give me feedback. It's a bit tricky, isn't it? always had such a great way of giving feedback. Okay. Such a constructive um, space. And for a lot of chefs, they don't like criticism. They don't like feedback. They think that their food is great and that's that. But um, And sometimes it's hard to hear, especially when you are, you know, you're really excited or passionate about a specific project and you kind of get knocked, a little, little knockbacks and you're like, okay, well that, I'll just swallow that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Only my pride that's uh, hurt here, you know. So how does that work then? Because I feel like everyone's a critic these days, and everyone's jumping online and giving their two cents worth. Uh, do you avoid looking at that, or do you look at what people say about your food? Um, about my food? Um, I mean, I don't really know. This is the first time I've <laughs> been in that space in ten years. You know, five years with True. Catering Company, um, five years with Riverland Group. Obviously, you know, essentially, it's a pub pub-led group, you know, beverage being a 60% driver of that. Um, so I suppose it's the first time, but um, I don't I don't really read too much into it. There was a review the other day that um, Marty sent through to me and it was you know, raving about this and that, but I read between the lines and was like, yeah, we should have another ve- uh, vegetarian main. Okay. Yeah. I saw those parts. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't really like all the fluff. You know, this this table of South Africans last night. They couldn't have said more. You know, I even brought out the cauliflowers and put them on the table. And you know, I just, when they were all kind of leaving, wrapping up and paying paying the bills, I kind of just was organising the fridge. You know, I don't. I don't really want yeah. all that. Yeah. Um, noise. Yeah. I just want. Um, I suppose real feedback. I was just the humble boy from you know, <laughs> born in born in Palmerston North. You know, yeah. Parents wow. did a good job. <laughs> yeah. So how how would you describe the food here then? Yeah. Look, I I suppose we are tapping into a bit more of that Middle Eastern spectrum, but um, rather than you using too many buzzwords or or, or cooking words, just saying what that saying what things are um, like you know I forget the menu to kind of explain it to you but um, yeah not kind of not wanting the the, the, the menu here to be kind of someone has to get out their phone and look up things yeah. I just want it to be clean and simple just like the food is like nothing that's too complicated and just colours flavours um, that that make, makes people happy. It's good. It, it kind of releases that kind of dopamine, I suppose. You know, um, that's what we're trying to do. Because you know, when I took over this place, there was there was an era of kind of pretentiousness that I don't think was very welcoming. You know, the the business was not doing that great. You know, as, as well as the 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 venue venue wasn't doing as great as the, the chefs thought it was. <laughs> So, um, and just looking into the Middle Eastern thing just clicked with me because I was like, I saw some spices in the cupboard and I saw, you know, what dead stock that there was hanging over. And I was just like, I need to use this because, you know, I need, to, I need to bring down the food costs for this business owner. Um, and then just having a, a, 
a deep dive into Swan Street yeah. and seeing what there was and what there wasn't. And, um, yeah. and I'd recently um, had, um, interviewed for a job at Chapel Street for, um, what is it called? Uh, Henrietta's. They move ahead. Opposite Mr. Miyagi, they're setting up shop there. So they're setting up for, for got voted best charcoal chicken. They're, they're all about tomb and um, koftas and um, you know, fatouche salads and very Middle Eastern kind yeah. of vibe. The owners like Israeli. So I don't know, I suppose I was just thinking, oh, that's that's trending. And so I started looking into Sydney's Middle Eastern scene. I was like, wow, it's very abundant and affluent. Surrey Hills is full of all these little great little spots. And then I started looking at Melbourne and you know back in the day you know, had Greg Maloof and you know that that whole story so Middle Eastern was like very popular then but what have we got now we've got Maha we've got a few little bits and bobs here and there but so I was just like you know what we could it could work and yeah talking to Marty and he was like yeah let's go for it yeah but let's not pigeonhole ourselves and I said absolutely not like you know we'll still have a pasta of the day we'll still have charcuterie we'll still food what, what it is and I suppose just really leaning into that vegetarianism as well. Yeah nice. Do you have to take the wine into, into consideration with the food or is it is it food that goes with wine given it's a wine bar or not really? To be honest not, I haven't given it any thought. <laughs> I, um, he's just been changing some of the drinks. And well look people like drinking and people like eating. Do absolutely, they have to? <laughs> absolutely. Look I think you can make it go with anything. Yeah. Um, trying to do small produced wines like that's 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 his challenge. He's the beverage guy. Yeah. So he's coming to the party with like you know spice pomegranate uh, margaritas and trying to really kind of tap into or explore that Middle Eastern drink offer. Yeah. Um, getting me to try bits and pieces. But to be to answer your question, no, I haven't really considered the wine. I've just kind of thought, well, you know, Australian wine is New World wine. It can go with anything, um, and we don't. We're, you know, I often buy just four cases at a time, so if something doesn't work, we'll get some feedback, um, then we'll just move on to something else. Yeah. <laughs> it might be a bit more dry or a bit, a bit more ripe. Yeah. Yeah. And the neighbourhood nights, how, how does that work? So is it on a certain night? Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights? Yeah. We, we, we thought Tuesday because across the road at the Union House, they do a steak night Wednesday. Oh, yeah. And next door at Matheson's, they have a pasta night Wednesday. Okay. Um, so we thought, well, let's not compete. Let's just go Tuesday night. Um, and, yeah, look, I think the idea was come from um, Sunday lunch. Yeah. Uh, Mia, I can't remember her last name. She's got, uh, Sunday lunch, uh, media thing. So we kind of... She tossed around the idea, and I was like, absolutely, that's perfect. Um, and then we was just kind of just deciding on what kind of price. And yeah. So we went kind of fairly low, 39. Um, and essentially, it's three courses. There's food on, food on arrival, okay. and then there's entree comes out, and you make your own falafel wrap. Um, and then the, the main course is kind of the whole roast of cauliflower uh, with a knife in it and some deep-fried Brussels sprouts. So, you know, the first... It's kind of like, do they need to change um, share, share place? I'm like, I don't think so. Like, let's just we're just trying to create a sense of fun. Yeah. And nothing, nothing too 
you know, if you were local, somewhere that you'd be happy to just come and feel comfortable and not feel like someone's watching you to put down that wine glass or you'll have to go to the bathroom and your studio has to be folded up again or just trying to break down some of those some of those things yeah nice oh sounds good and it's um i love all the lighting in here and the um distressed wall it's quite it's cozy isn't it It feels like you can come and be relaxed yeah Yeah. i've i had a great um and I walked in, it was cold, and all the chairs were on the table, we sat down and had a four-hour conversation. Um, you know, I thought, this, 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 this could work, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not, it's very rare, Joe, to have that full, um, kind of autonomy of a menu, like, even these days, with all these restaurant groups buying up all these small little... It's true, yeah. You know, and you have to, you have to pass the food by somebody, but for, for Marty just to go, trust in you, put on the menu, whatever you want, I don't have to try it, go for it, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. It reminds me of those, that, that I many days, you know, it's, um, it's pretty rare, but he would taste it, sometimes yeah. it would make the menu before he, yeah, as I said, he'd come in and dine and try it, <laughs> and then I'd have to change it for the next day, but. Wow. And this is a final question. Yeah because you've, you've had um, a few years in the game, what would your advice be to a young person thinking about becoming a chef? Um, I suppose to, right now, like, there's, there's so much change in the hospitality industry. I, was, I, I would say that the most important thing is to, um, to question things. I don't think there's enough young chefs that actually question why do we do that, or even just ask questions. Like, you know, everyone, when you start in this, in this industry, you're scared. You even see it with the front of house. You're scared to move. Moving at such a fast pace. How can I time my questions so it gets answered and it can be heard? So they just not ask it. I mean, just, yeah, just, just to ask. And, you know, that's always um, what I look for when I, you know, have someone doing a trial, if they're asking questions happy to answer those questions and I, I take note that they have and I'm like that's great you know, you're going to you're going to get far if you're able to question things well why do we do that or you know why does why does you know red meat always go with red wine or what, you know, <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah. it's going to be that's right um, it's annoying as a chef when you have to answer these questions I mean you need to have the right questions I suppose but um, yeah and if I was starting again you know I don't know I, I might have gone into more sound engineering or music producing or something that was creative but you know it's it's hard on the body um wear the the right footwear um you know try and eat well bring your meals with you um (laughs) drinking your water like it's it's not for everyone I hope neither of my kids I hope they're foodies I hope they appreciate Good wine, but I would hate for them to follow my footsteps. Oh. I mean, I, part of me would be proud. Yeah. But part of me would be like, nah, you could. There's, there's easy ways to make money. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously, it's kept you in there. Yeah, that's right. You know, sometimes you fall out of love with it after a bad service. Um, but ultimately, it's the food that you, you're drawn back to. And, um, 
ultimately, ultimately, it comes down to you know that, that passion of putting those those beautiful ingredients on a plate and kind of everything coming together from you know the most fun stage I like is actually writing the menu and making sure it's all cohesive and you're not repeating any words and it's there's flow and there's something for everyone and then the most trickiest part is probably the menu testing phase and, and writing those recipes and then I suppose the, the reward is to you know finally put those on the plate and you're like oh that 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 slaps or that didn't work so <laughs> you know sometimes it's the dishes that you think will work the most don't and then the things that you're like not sure about just, just fall on the plate thank you so much for listening to this episode of conversation with a chef with brad cunningham at Waygood in richmond you can check out all the goodness on instagram at waygood.richmond And if you liked what you heard and you want to hear more stories from other chefs, there are quite a few, (laughs) if I say so myself, I'm on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef. You can read the chat at www.conversationwithachef.com and I would love it if you told a friend about my chats. You can follow me on Apple and Spotify podcasts and then I guess I know that you're there, which I would like. (laughs) Once again, thanks for listening and have a great day.